Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the chance that we have to come together into your presence this morning and to know that you dwell here with us. And Lord, as we journey through into the tabernacle, into the very centre of the tabernacle where you met with your people, I pray that this morning that we would see your glory in these words and that my words would, would reflect your glory that we would see only Jesus and his glorious wonder. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I want to introduce myself. My name is Bezalel, son of Uri, for the sake of the sermon this morning. And I am a pretty big deal around Israel, if I must say so myself. I am the guy who was given the privilege of making the Ark of the Covenant. Along with my right-hand man, Ahaliab, maybe that's one of the words for the spelling bee coming up, and a huge team of men and women who were given the task of constructing the Ark and the tabernacle and all of its furniture. This tabernacle is a place where God, God Almighty, was going to dwell with us, the Israelites. Yahweh, the God of our forefathers, was going to come and dwell with us, live in our midst, live in a tent made by us, covered with animal skins. He was going to come and reside in a tent with us. And as I said, I'm the one who was given the privilege of building this very place. It blows my mind that a simple fellow like myself, a simple Israelite, would be given the knowledge by God to, to put together all this metal, to put together in, in intricate craftsmanship, and to be able to build this dwelling place. But I'm not here to speak about me. I want to tell you about the central piece of furniture that was central, hence it was central piece of furniture. The central piece of furniture to the tabernacle. The piece that Moses was told about first before he was told about anything else. See, in... in chapter 25 of Exodus you see the the instructions for the ark before all the rest of the tabernacle I'm speaking of the ark of the covenant and it's also known as the ark of the covenant of the Lord or the ark of the testimony and we usually save the best for last when we're telling a story don't we or or in in the fact of giving gifts with birthdays and Christmas not that I know about Christmas being uh, an Israelite <laughs> but but when we when we give people gifts we save the best for last the biggest and best gift for last don't we well Moses was told about this ark before he was told about the rest of the tabernacle so does this give you some idea of the centrality of this piece of furniture? This, this Ark of the Covenant? God was at the centre of him dwelling with us. 
the tent, the tabernacle, was the centerpiece of the, the whole tribes of Israel. And now God's dwelling place, God's meeting place, is at the center of this tabernacle. It was also the center or first in order in the, the instructions of, of the dwelling place. It was given the prime place in the tabernacle. Let me tell you about this ark. It's basically a chest, a box, made of acacia wood and overlaid with gold pure gold God told Moses to make it two and a half cubits long or 113 centimetres long one and a half cubits wide and one and a half cubits high or 68 centimetres wide and high and there wasn't much special about this chest I mean in and of itself it's just a box overlaid with gold there were a few things that made it really special. Really special. Initially, we were told to place the, the testimony in it. These two tablets of stone, also known as the Ten Commandments, they were to go in there and, and you could think of them as just a bunch of rules. But it was what Yahweh, what God Almighty desired of his people. And it was a mark of the covenant that was supposed to make us distinct. It was a mark of the covenant that he had made with us, his people. It was commonplace for for the surrounding nations to build something similar to this in order to store important documents. You see, if a small kingdom made a, a covenant with a larger kingdom, they would make this a similar box and store these important documents in them. And it would constantly remind them of the promise that they had made to the larger kingdom. Well, this covenant, this, this box is stored at Yahweh's feet. And it was a constant reminder to us to be reminded of of the covenant that was made with us. We were made into a nation by Yahweh's grace and we will be kept as a nation by Yahweh's grace so long as we remember this covenant. I'm not spruiking here, but it was a a no-brainer for me to follow these commands because of of God's goodness to us as a nation. God had rescued us out of slavery. 400 years. Beaten, battered, bruised, sunburnt. 400 years in that hot Egyptian sun. Hard labour, day in, day out, seven days a week. But we were not forgotten. God rescued us from that slavery, 
God rescued us by a strong and mighty arm. And he, he brought us out of Egypt through the ten plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea so that we could go into the wilderness and worship him. It was amazing to see those ten plagues, but that's another sermon. But if I'm honest with myself, these ten commandments, I haven't always kept them. It's nothing to be proud of, but there have been times when I've chosen my own way rather than God's commands. And that's what the tabernacle was for. For us to be continually reminded of this covenant, but also a way for me to be able to receive and the nation of Israel, to be able to receive forgiveness of sins, to have our sins atoned for, and to be brought near to God and experience His goodness again and turn from my sins back to Him. The other things that that ended up being stored in this ark was a golden bowl of manna and Aaron's staff that budded or rod. But let me speak about the manna first. It was, it was some delicious stuff, like little clouds of, of delight on your tongue and satisfying too. I mean, there wasn't much to it, but it filled us and sustained us for years throughout the wilderness wanderings. And I managed to work extremely hard while I built this ark, just eating manna. Some others grumbled about the manna and wanted meat, but I didn't mind the manna. It was pretty good. God provided for us. And the staff that Aaron had was amazing too. It was a long, for a long time just a walking stick, a dead stick. And yet God brought it back to life and it produced fruit, flowers and almonds. And that was the way God chose the Levites to be the priests, to minister into the tabernacle. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 17. But these three things, they reminded us of three things of Yahweh's commands or or Yahweh's covenant, God's covenant with us, of God's provision, even in difficult times, and of of God being the God of life, life life-giver. Anyway, back to the ark. You can see it was made with rings on each side and, and poles, made of acacia wood, overlaid with gold. And these poles were to never, ever come out. God said so. It was the prescribed way to carry it. If you ever carried it in any other way, oh, look out. And to follow the idea of the the ark being the central piece of furniture the central piece to the ark, to the tabernacle, but also the central piece to us as Israelites. It was always the first piece carried out of the tabernacle and it led the way through the wilderness. 
It was the leading article in front of the tribes of Israel throughout our years of of wandering through the desert. And this signified God's presence with us, God's leading with us whenever we moved around, not just when the tabernacle was set up. And this bit blows my mind. This ark between those two cherubim was the place where God Almighty came and dwelt with us and met with us and spoke with Moses. But because of our, our sinfulness, our humanness, because of our disobedience from time to time, the ark had to be kept at a distance. It had to be hidden away most of the time from the side of Israel. And it was hidden behind a massive curtain similar to what we have here. This curtain was beautiful. Fine linen embroidered with gold and and purple and blue and scarlet yarns. It was amazing. The reason why God's holiness and this ark could not be on display for all men to see was because men could not look look on God's holiness and live. I mean, even Moses himself, the man named as the friend of God, he had to hide himself away from God's face. But now we come to describing the pièce de résistance, a Hebrew speaking French. It's funny, isn't it? The most beautiful piece of the ark, the atonement cover, the mercy seat, the place where God said he would come and meet and speak with Moses all that he had commanded for Israel I cannot describe how beautiful this covering was I thank God that he gave me the ability and the craftsmanship to be able to make this beautiful piece of artwork let me tell you about it it's it's one piece of gold it took me days and days to hammer and shape it in the, in the way that it was prescribed to be. Don't get me wrong, it was a real privilege to be able to make this. But, oh gee, I felt the gravity of, of having to make this perfectly. And again, I'm glad God gave me the ability. And on the top of this mercy seat sat these two cherubim. I was told a story years and years ago when I was a boy about, about when man was cast out of the Garden of Eden for, for disobedience. And God placed two cherubim at the entrance to the garden with flaming swords. So can you see the idea of, of coming back into God's presence? coming back into God's presence through these two cherubim, signifying God's presence with his people again. 
See, the tabernacle was to face east-west and you were entered in from the east and you would come in to the mercy seat into God's presence again. Oh, wow, it blows my mind. Whenever I think about this, whenever I think about this, I have to pause for a second and and just let it sink in. The fact that God was going to come, God Almighty, who is above all things, who is, is, has created all things, who has, knows all things, who is not constrained by anything, the fact that God was going to come to this very place and meet with his people and speak with his people in a, in a tent in the middle of the wilderness covered by animal skins. That very God was going to come to this place. God, who is not constrained by time, space or matter, brought himself down and constrained himself to this place. He brought himself down and constrained himself to a people. Between the cherubim, he spoke with Moses. He dwelt with his people. How good is that? It blows my mind. It reminds me of Psalm 99 verse 1. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth quake. God chose to stoop down from on high, be constrained to this place, meet with us, talk with our intercessor Moses and, and, and dwell with us. Wow, what a God we have. In all of this, did you notice something interesting? In all the description of the, of the ark, can you notice something interesting? As Mr. Cole pointed out, there's no description or image of God. Every other nation around us at the time had, had gods inscribed on stone and gods inscribed in little sto- rocks or gold or thousands of bracelets made of, of gods. But our God is different. Firstly, we were, we were commanded not to do anything like this, not to make graven images like the surrounding nations. And it was also to remind us of the importance of, of worshipping God, not some form of him, not, not the ark itself. You see, this ark was a tool it was not something to be worshipped. As beautiful it is, as it is, it was not something to be worshipped. It was God who was to be worshipped. And this is what the tabernacle as a whole was for as well. 
It was a tool for us to be able to worship God. For us to be able to to come out of slavery, be saved out of slavery and, and to worship Him in the wilderness. It was a way for us to to have our sins forgiven, to be washed clean of our sins, to be able to come into His presence and and see Him for how glorious He is. To worship Him. That is why He saved us. See, we were to meant to to stand in awe of him day by day with hallelujah on our tongues. As beautiful as this is, as wonderful as the tabernacle is and the, as wonderful as the Ark of the Covenant is, it was just merely a picture of what was to come. I didn't know it at the time, but I've been told now that, that you are the people of God now. And that 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, God sent his son to come and to dwell with his people, the Israelites. John 1.14 And the word became flesh and dwelt among his people us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth that word dwelt there means to to actually live in a tent jesus came and lived in a tent not a not a literal tent but a physical fleshly tent The Word became flesh and lived among His people. I've been describing you the glory of the ark, the glory of the tabernacle, how beautiful it was, how amazing the fact that that God would come and meet with His people. But it pales in comparison to God actually coming and in the flesh dwelling with His people meeting with his people. But it gets better, folks. Not only did God come in the Son, not only did God come and dwell with his people, but he was also the the atonement for his people. You see, in my time, once a year, the, the high priest had to make atonement for the people's sins he had to part the curtain go into the into the ark of the testimony ark of the covenant and sprinkle blood from the sacrificial bull on the front of the ark and in front of it on the ground and then there was this goat outside outside of the tabernacle which Aaron would go and lay his hands on and confess the sins of the people and that goat which was called the scapegoat was released into the wilderness to wander it was released with the people's sins and sent away from the camp 
This day was called the Day of Atonement. You see, without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. And without the confession of sins, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And this, this is exactly what happened with Jesus. The Son of God shed his blood in order to atone for yours, yours and my sins. He paid the penalty for yours and my sins. He shed his blood. He died the death that I deserved so that I might be free to worship God. It's simple. All we have to do is is confess our need for a saviour, confess our sins to God, receive the forgiveness that is is ours in Christ Jesus. How amazing is that? You see, God's glory is on display for all the world to see in Jesus that he would come and dwell with his people in the flesh. But on top of that, that he would come and be the atoning sacrifice for his people's sins. It shows God's gloriousness that he would come and place his Holy Spirit within them to dwell with them as well. You see, at the time when Jesus died on that cross, he he achieved something that no man could do. He, He achieved atonement for our sins. We could not do that by ourselves. And at that very moment, the curtain in the temple tore from top to bottom. Can you imagine the sound? It tore from top to bottom to symbolize that the removing of separation of God has happened through the gift of the Son of God. It was announcing to the world that the way was now open for all to come and to be able to receive forgiveness to be able to dwell with God and have God dwell with them. The way was now open. Friends, how glorious is God? If you have announced yourself as one of his people, he now dwells with you. If you have accepted your need for a saviour and that, that forgiveness is only in Jesus, God now dwells with you. If God has given you faith as a gift, he now dwells with you. Is that good? Is that glorious?
do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful imagery of the Ark of the Covenant, the way that it was separated from from us as humans, the way that your holiness is, is too much for us to bear sometimes. And yet the way that it symbolises that you chose to come and dwell with your people there in that place. Lord, we thank you for the fact that that, that is just a, an image of, of what has come in Jesus Christ. The fact that he was the atoning sacrifice for our sins and that we now have your spirit dwelling within us as the people of God. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder of of your gloriousness, your goodness to us, saving us from the slavery of sin and bringing us to a point of being able to worship you. Pray that we would be reminded of that each and every day. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. reminder isn't it the ark being a shadow and a a picture of God coming to dwell with us in Christ and Christ continuing to dwell with us by his spirit and one day we will continue to dwell with him forever